Hi, my name is Cheryl Froh, and welcome to Deconstructed Detective, a podcast about solving crime in real time with less than modern devices. Last week on Deconstructed Detective, a body was found in the rubbish outside a Pigeon Perfect station in Gowanus. Photographs were taken, but the body mysteriously disappeared. Mysterious, my butt. It's actually very simple. Marty, don't spoil it for everyone. Well, Cheryl's acting like she doesn't even know. Marty, honestly, you're gonna get us fired. Shut up. Fine. Anyway, Marty's on to something, and we should find out what happened to Tessa Dupree in this episode. Episode 5, Tessa Dupree, Part 2. This week on Deconstructed Detective, Marty heads into Polish Palace in Gowanus to follow a lead she has on the Tessa Debris case. Hi, I would like to order your... <coughs> your premium palace deluxe package. You would like to order? I'll get your nails did. Get my nails done. Follow me. Marty follows the counter lady to the back of the store. Here's Regina. She'll hook you up. Have a nice day. You, sit at counter. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tucker calls Brad into the station to go over some test results from some labs he ran on the rhinestone pink nail polish found at the scene of the crime. It's got drugs in it. What? The nail polish has drugs in it. I have to tell Marty. Brad takes out his pager. Seriously, dude, why don't you just call her? Marty doesn't have a phone. She needs to get with the program. Technology is evolving. The world is changing. Hey, you leave Marty out of this. Fine, fine. I don't need to argue about this. It's inevitable anyways. Everything is inevitable anyways. This old ways thing is getting old. I think it's cute. (laughs) I think you need to get a grip. While Brad and Tucker talk about tradition versus innovation and the modern progression of information transfer and the way it affects society, Marty emerges from the back of Polish Palace in a cold sweat. You're in a cold sweat. Seriously, it's like you never had your nails did before. I haven't. Here. Marty hands the counter lady some cash. Only one of her hands has long fake nails glued to it. And only one finger has polish on it. Well, your nails even did. You can't go out in public like that. It's freaking embarrassing. Well, that, my dear counter lady, is a matter of opinion. If good old Regina had finished the job, that would have been freaking embarrassing. As it stands, I still have half my dignity. Well, just don't go around saying you got your nails did at Polish Palace. My boss would have my head. I'm sure she would. Meanwhile, Steino bursts into the police station. You paged me emergency, Brad. What's the deal? Where's the bad guy? What? Oh, oh, no, sorry, Steino. That page was meant for Marty. Put you in accidentally. See, Brad, modern technology limits man's scope of mistake-making. The old ways are riddled with opportunities to fail. Hi, Tucker. Hi, Steino. Uh, how are you? Uh, Enough fooling around, guys. We gotta get a hold of Marty and let her know about... So let me know about what, Brad? Marty came into the police station with her half-manicured hand in her pocket and her purple wig askew. Marty! Ah! Oh! uh, Hi! Hi, Hi, Marty! Marty. Your wig looks nice today, Marty. Thanks, Brad, but I need to talk to Tucker. Alone. What? Yeah, what? Why? Why do you you need to talk to him alone? Well, Brad, that really shouldn't concern you. Uh, Well, I... Well... 
Anything pertaining to my lab assistant does concern me, frankly, and, 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 and frankly, I don't like your tone of voice. Well, Brad, frankly, I think you could have done much better at interrogating Frank, and frankly, you didn't, so there's that. Well, Marty, why don't I just leave you and Tucker to do your thing, and I'll go over there and rethink my choice of career. Good. Good. After Brad walked away from his and Marty's completely unnecessary fight, which Marty started because she was self-conscious about her nails, Steino looked from Tucker to Marty. What is it, Steino? It's just that you and Tucker hate each other, so I don't get why you'd want to... Marty took her hand out of her pocket. What the hell? Uh, yeah, what the b- Marty? It was for the case, Steino. All for the case. They, they kind of look nice. Not helping, Steino. Tucker, can you pry the pink one off my finger and run a lab on it? We need to know if it's the same pink polish that Mary Jane leaves around as her calling card. Marty held out her pink pinky to Tucker. Yes, but you should know, Marty, all the Mary Jane pink nail polish has drugs in it. So if that really is her polish, then... I should feel drugged. Which I do. No, you wouldn't be able to detect it from only one nail being polished. Well, something about my nails being done makes me feel nauseous. Marty, you do know drugs don't make you feel nauseous. They make you feel other things. Unless you have too much of them. Then... Okay, okay, Tucker, enough about drugs. I swear, it's like you do drugs or something. You know so much about No, Marty, I just read the internet. If you really did read the internet so much, you would know that reading the internet is bad for you. Marty, we are not having this discussion again. What? You too afraid to admit that going to a good old-fashioned library is better than sitting behind a computer screen, which is actually just a manipulation of light, color, and sound? Marty? That the old ways are far more effectual than the new ways? Marty! Sorry, Tucker, I don't have time for this. I have to go get my zoologie class. Bye, Sino. You're still my only friend. Marty sticks her hand back into her pocket, nods to Brad, who looks away as she makes her way out of the police station, and heads downtown to class. While Marty bikes past the Delmonico's on her way to school, she sees Mike sitting on the sidewalk with a pigeon on his shoulder. Ah, oh, Marty. There's something wrong with my poor pigeon Thursday. <laughs> oh, hey there, Mike. What do you mean? Well, firstly, he will only fly on Thursdays, and... Secondly, he's not delivering my letters, properly at least. Thirdly, he smells like this. Marty sniffed the pigeon and discovered that the bird smelled heavily of some sort of fragrance. That bird smells heavily of some sort of fragrance. Is it the pigeon you bought off of Frank? Why, yes. You should get your money back, Mike. Ah, but Thursday is my friend. I wouldn't give him up for the world. And what do I need money for, anyways? Too true, Mike. Too true. Marty heads into her zoology class. You're late, Marty. I know, I'm so sorry. Please continue. (sighs) As I was saying, the difference between carrier pigeons and homing pigeons is simple. A carrier pigeon is a a type of fancy pigeon that has a particularly hard wattle. A homing pigeon is a type of pigeon bred to find its way home, even over very long distances. Marty, where are you going? Sorry, Professor Gagajet. Mark me as absent if you need to. I already did. Marty bikes to the library and pages Steiner to meet her there. Steiner does meet her there, and Marty is already surrounded by books. <sighs> Hi, Marty. What's the emergency? Hi, Stengo. Who are these two small human children? <laughs> oh, Bowman and Reese. I'm babysitting right now. But you said it was an emergency, so here I am. <laughs> well, I just needed one piece of information. 
Steino steps around the table to look over Marty's shoulder at the book she had open while Bowman and Reese giggle and whisper to each other, looking up to no good. You guys look up to no good. Yep, and that confirms it. What? That Mike's pigeon is a homing pigeon, not a carrier pigeon. He doesn't even have a wattle. Marty, did you seriously page me emergency when it wasn't an emergency? Well, I hadn't seen you in a while, and the police station doesn't count because Tucker was there. Aw, you missed me. Don't hug me, and yes, I'm... It's okay, it's okay, you don't have to say it. I see your hair's growing back. Yes, I'm not so bald as I once was. And I'm sorry you had to get that manicure. You know, I would have done it for you. It was a necessary evil. The things I do to discover the truth. Also, you know, you could have just looked that pigeon thing up on the internet. They call it Googling. What? Why? You know how I feel about the internet. And if I ever Google, I hope I die. Well, okay. Bowman, Reese, books are for reading, not for doing that. I have to go find Mike. I'll page you later. Marty bikes past Delmonico's again, where Mike is still sitting with Thursday. Hey, Mike. Come with me to see Frank and bring Thursday. I have a sneaking suspicion. But Marty, I'm sitting on the sidewalk right now. It's warm today. Kind of busy. Mike! Ah, I'm only kidding, Marty. Of course I'll come. Mike and Marty grab city bikes and head to Gowanus. As they pass the Polish Palace on their way to the Pigeon Perfect station, Marty shudders. Hey, Marty. I'm a little out of breath here. I'll catch up. All right, Mike. Marty pedals out of sight, and Mike hails a taxi. By the time Marty gets to the Pigeon Perfect station, Mike is sitting on the curb. How did you get here so fast? I don't know. Shortcut? Sounds plausible. Let's go! They go into the station to find Frank methodically scrubbing an empty pigeon cage. Frank, where was this pigeon trained to fly to every Thursday? That pigeon would fly to a place in Soho. Here's the address. He hands her a slip of paper. Frank, you got any advice on how to get uh, Thursday's waddle to stay straight? Uh, he doesn't have a waddle. He's a homing pigeon, not a carrier pigeon. Damn. As Frank and Mike chat about pigeon wattles, Marty bikes hardcore to Soho to the address Frank wrote down for her. She finds that it's an apartment above a Patricia Weiss fashion studio. She buzzes up, but no one answers. She doesn't stop buzzing until a voice over the intercom says, What do you want? I have some Chinese food for apartment 4A. Well, miss, someone's ordered Chinese food, and I'm not leaving until it's delivered. Fine. The voice buzzes her up. Marty knocks on the door. The lady that had been talking to her through the intercom opens the door. Tessa Dupree? Next week on Deconstructed Detective... Why the bloody gosh darn is Tessa Dupree alive in an apartment in Soho? Stop acting like you don't know, Cheryl! Stop it, Marty! Bugger off, Marty! Is it really so shocking that I am still alive? I feel like we all saw this one coming. Be quiet, Tessa. We did see it coming. As I was saying, next week on Deconstructed Detective... Will Brad and Marty forgive each other for their pointless fight? Why were Mum and the estranged father strangely absent from this episode? Will Mike ever teach Thursday to call another place home? And will Marty ever get the rest of her fake nails removed? Fine, Cheryl. Fine. I'm taking them off now. All this and more on Deconstructed Detective.
This episode was brought to you by The Gumshoe Show in association with Failure Island. Created and written by Alison O'Donnell. Directed, edited, and produced by Cameron Danger Stripmatter and Alison O'Donnell. Starring Liz Stanford as Marty Stambaugh, Jonathan Sally as Brad, Megan Restein as Steino, Campbell Moore as Tucker, Alison O'Donnell as Tessa Dupree, Mary Losiak as the Counter Lady, special guest appearance by Charles O'Brien as Homeless Guy Mike, and hosted by me, Heather Kate, as Cheryl Froh. Today's listening suggestion, pair your podcast with reverent thoughts of eagles. Majestic, aren't they? <laughs>